Welcome back. I'm Michaela Lefrac sitting in for Kojo Namdi. It has been a tough year. Most kids have been separated from other kids, their teachers, and even their grandparents. They've missed birthday parties, trips to the movies, and all kinds of other fun things. And it's all because of a virus. Some kids even know people who have gotten sick from coronavirus. Today, we've got a wonderful and caring doctor who knows a lot about that virus and what you can do to keep yourself and other people around you healthy. Dr. Lena Wen is here to answer your questions about everything from masks to vaccines to going back to school. We also want to welcome the students from Cooper Lane Elementary School in Landover Hills, Maryland, our School of the Week. Welcome, kids. We're excited to hear their questions for Dr. Wen and your questions, too but only if you're a kid. Adults are always welcome to listen, but on Kojo for Kids, it is kids' calls only. Dr. Wen, welcome to Kojo for Kids. I am so thrilled to join you as the mom of two little kids, um, although one of them is a baby, so maybe she won't be listening to Kojo for Kids just yet, but, <laughs> but I am thrilled to be joining you. Great. Well, we'll get to the virus in a minute, but first we want to learn a little bit more about you. Where were you born and where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Shanghai, China. When I was seven, actually just before I turned eight, my parents and I came together to, to the U.S. Um, we initially lived in a little town in the mountains of Utah, which was a very different experience moving from a large city in Shanghai of 20-some million people to a town in the mountains of Utah of several thousand people. Um, but um, I lived there for a few years and then we, we moved to Los Angeles and I mainly grew up in Southern California. All right. And what was it like moving from, uh, from China to the U.S.? I imagine that must have been a really big change for you. Well, I didn't speak English. And so that was certainly the biggest change that um, I came to a new country <laughs> and um, had to learn a new language. But we were very fortunate to be with so many people who really embraced us and appreciated us. I mean, it just was, I cannot describe to you what it was like. I mean, I, when we first arrived, it was in, in the middle of the winter. We came in December and we landed in this town in the mountains of Utah that was very cold. And we didn't have any clothing that was appropriate for, for the winter and actually had trouble. We didn't we couldn't afford heating and so turned the heat to very low. So I was freezing all the time. I showed up to school walking in the snow without snow boots or anything that was appropriate for the snow. And everything was totally wet. And my classmates must have seen this because that weekend we had a bag that was just left outside our door. And people from our local church had actually gotten together and put all their, they had donated all kinds of clothes and blankets and shoes for our family. And I just will never forget how we felt at that time of the community coming together for people who didn't look like them, who didn't even speak their language, but they were so, so kind to us. And now you have a job where you also help the community. You're a doctor. You're a doctor of emergency medicine. Um, and we have a couple questions coming in from, from kids about your job. So let's go first to Haley. She's eight years old from Bethesda, Maryland. Haley, you are on the air. Good afternoon, Miss Dr. Lynn. I My name is Haley. I am eight years old, and I attend Cooper Lane Elementary School. And I am in Mr. Cobb's class. And my question for you is, how do I become a doctor? Oh, that's 
That's such a great question, Haley. I'm so glad that you're interested um, in potentially becoming a doctor, and I suspect that uh, maybe Mr. Cobb has something to do with with your interest in science too. Um, so, what you need to do to become a doctor, it's it takes a long time, but it it but it is something that many people end up doing who really are passionate about taking care of patients. In times of difficulty, when people are sick and not feeling well, that's what I. That's why I wanted to be a doctor because I knew actually when I was about your age, I had very bad asthma, and I knew what it was like to not feel well and just and be struggling to breathe. And I thought that I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted to help other kids who are not feeling so good with um, in a time when they're scared to be able to help them feel better. So what you need to do is you need to do well in school um, uh, and study science because science and not just science, science is one of the things you should study, but definitely study science because medicine is definitely based on science. And, um, and, um, and, and so then you end up going to college then you finish medical school, which is more years of studying, and then you end up practicing medicine and getting your medical training. So it's a lot of years, but I feel very fortunate and very blessed to have been able to pursue my childhood dream of becoming a doctor. Now we have lots of questions from kids coming in about how uh, about about the coronavirus, about the vaccine. But before we get to them, let's all get on the same page here. What? is the coronavirus and how is it different from the flu or a common cold? Great question. So maybe we'll even back up one more step and talk about what a virus itself is. A virus is a germ. It is really tiny, so you can't see it by looking at it. And when a virus gets inside your body, it can make you sick. And so when we talk about different types of viruses, Cold viruses, actually, um, the coronavirus or COVID-19 is this particular, is the disease caused by this particular coronavirus that we hear a lot about. There are other coronaviruses that cause the common cold. And then influenza is a virus that causes the flu. And so these are all the different types of, of viruses. What makes this particular virus um, so, uh, so worrisome is that people who get it sometimes could become very, very sick and maybe even sicker than when they get a regular cold or the flu. And they may they have a higher likelihood of ending up in the hospital, especially if they are older or have underlying medical issues. And so that's why we talk so much about the things that we can do to prevent from getting this coronavirus, like washing your hands, doing things like wearing a mask, keeping your distance from others. That also helps to prevent the spread because viruses spread from person to person. And um, also, those are all the things that we can do to protect from getting coronavirus and giving it to others. Now, Rania, who's nine years old from Great Falls, Virginia, has been very patiently waiting on the line for a while now. Rania, it is your turn. What's your question? Um, my question is, when do you think children will be vaccinated? Rania, it's a great question. It depends on the age of the child. One of the vaccines that's been authorized so far um, by made by Pfizer and BioNTech, the company, is already able to be given to, uh, to people 16 and older. The other vaccines are currently being studied in the slightly younger age group. So what happens is when vaccines are first 
um, are first developed. They're first developed for adults. Then they are studied for progressively younger age groups. So let's say that they're first studied for 16 to 18 or 12 to 18 year olds. Then they're studied for, um, for let's say, five to 12 year olds. And then they're studied for toddlers. And then they're studied for babies last. So you get younger and younger once you make sure that it's safe and it works for that older age group. I would expect at the rate that we're going that school children, um, kids who are of school age, probably will be vaccinated by um, by late summer, ideally before they go back to school in the fall. Toddlers and babies are going to be last. Something that I think about a lot is I have a 10-month-old baby and a three-and-a-half-year-old toddler. So the toddler probably won't be vaccinated, I hope, sometime late summer. And by that time, the baby is going to be a toddler, so may be able to be vaccinated then too. Great. Now, we have a question here from Mila. She's eight years old in Arlington, Virginia. You are on the air. One second. Let's make sure we can connect. so caring. And my question is, have you ever had a patient that you do not know how to help? Hmm. It's a very difficult, um, that's a very good and very difficult question. I think it depends on what we mean by help. As in, I think so many times what we think about in medicine is the, is the medical things that we do, the pills that we might give or the tests that we give. Sometimes what patients need goes beyond the medical. And I'll give you an example of this. I once had a patient, uh, a young boy, who came to the ER all the time because of asthma. Now, I had asthma as a child. I certainly know how to treat asthma. You give inhalers. Sometimes you do a nebulizer mask. Sometimes you have to give steroids. We know medically what to do. But the reason he was in the ER all the time was that there were other things that was making him ill, too. Uh, He and his mother were living in a place where people around them smoked. And actually, that smoking was triggering the asthma. They were also living in a building where around them, people had mold in their homes. And, um, and so even though their house w- was fine, they were, they were breathing in all that mold that was also making his asthma worse. And I certainly felt very helpless at that time because while I could give him the medicines, I couldn't do so much about these other conditions in his home that actually were making him ill. Actually, that's why in addition to working in the ER, I also work in public health because it's in public health that we have this broader understanding of what contributes to someone's health. It's not just about the medical care they receive, but all the other conditions in their lives too. That's right. And Dr. Wen, I'm sure you went to school for a long, long time to learn everything that you have learned about how to treat different illnesses. Now we have a question from Carla. She's seven years old from Cooper Lane Elementary School. Carla, go ahead. Okay. So... Uh, I was talking about um, the question I had before that, but so I have no, my parents are not home, so that's why I have to use my grandma's phone. Okay. Do you have any questions for for Dr. Wen about coronavirus or about being safe? Mm, No. Okay. Well, thanks so much for listening, Carla. All right. Well, let's go to Liam. He's eight years old at Cooper Union. Liam, you are on the air. Oh, hold on one second, Liam. Hello? 
Hi, Liam, you're on the air. Yay. <laughs> What's your question? My question is, will there be a vaccine for kids? Well, Dr. Wen, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about this again, because I, I bet a lot of kids still have more questions about this. They know a vaccine is coming, but they want to know when they can go back to school. Hmm. Liam, I, I certainly understand why people are so eager to get the vaccine. And so to your question, there will be vaccines for children. Um, and uh, I, I think based on um, how we're doing with the research, because the, the vaccines have to also be studied for children before they're given to more children, I think there will be vaccines for children before the next school year. So probably this summer um, will be when children can be vaccinated too. Now, a lot of children are already back in school. Some other children are not yet back, but um, will be able to come back probably. Um, uh, and that will also depend not only on the vaccine, but also on the other types of measures that are put into place in the schools. So for example, um, making sure that everyone is wearing masks. That's really important because um, we know that how this coronavirus is transmitted is through droplets, through contact. And so if you're close to somebody, somebody is coughing or sneezing, you could, you could transmit coronavirus that way. We even know that just by breathing, if you're very close to somebody and somebody is breathing or speaking, the virus could be carried on tiny little droplets. And that's why wearing masks and keeping some type of distance is really important. And so I think that even as schools come back, it will be important to follow your teacher's instructions and make sure to follow your parents' instructions, too, about keeping safe. Right. Let's go to Anna. She's eight years old from Cooper Lane Elementary School. Anna, you are on the air. What's your question? My question is what do doctors do to be safe from the coronavirus? That's a great question. What do doctors do to stay safe from coronavirus, Dr. Wen? Yeah, Anna, I appreciate your question and certainly just want to um, use this opportunity, too, to thank all of the healthcare workers who have been doing so much in this time. Um, nurses, respiratory therapists, um, EMTs, all the essential workers as well. We're also talking about police officers and firefighters and people who work in our grocery stores and bus drivers. I mean, it's, an, it's a very long list of people who have had to be working during this time to help all of us in society. What has been able to keep people safe or relatively safe? One major thing is wearing masks. Wearing masks, we know, protects other people from us if we are sick and don't know that we're sick. It also protects us from other people, in particular because with coronavirus, with this coronavirus, you could be asymptomatic, meaning that you don't know that you're sick. You're certainly not trying to infect other people, but you could be carrying the virus. And so that's why we're, for all of us to think, hey, I could be, uh, um, maybe I want to prevent others from catching my illness if I have it, and I certainly want to protect myself. Wearing masks is a very important component that's keeping people safe. I would say something else, too, is being aware, even when we are around people who do not live in our household. So that's the reason why your parents may be saying to you, don't get together with people, with, with your friends 
indoors, for example, for now, because um, keeping away from others um, and um, and making sure that we're sticking to our own household is also a very important way of keeping safe too. Great. Now, I think there are some kids out there who might have some questions about what it is like if you do get coronavirus. Now, we have Mauricio, who's eight years old, on the line from Cooper Lane Elementary School. Mauricio, what is your question? Um, what does the COVID-19 do to the body? Dr. Wen, what does COVID-19 do to the body if you do get it? Yeah, so um, it's a really good question, Mauricio, and what happens is that this is a respiratory virus. So it's something that can be transmitted through the respiratory route when you cough, you sneeze, you breathe, etc. And then that, that virus also then goes into your lungs if you do end up getting infected by it. Now, the good news is, in particular for children, that the majority of people who get coronavirus have pretty mild symptoms, meaning that it might feel to you like a bad cold or the flu. So you might have coughing, um, you might have some wheezing, um, some fevers, just overall not feeling very well. Some people also report that they lose their sense of smell and taste, which is very uncomfortable because we're used to smelling and tasting. If you can't taste your food, that's very that's that's not something that, 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 that you're used to. Um, the good news is, especially for children, that most people end up feeling better um, within about a week or so, just as if they have the cold or, or the flu. Now, some people may get um, may become more ill and then may need to go to their doctor. Sometimes they may need to stay in the hospital in order to get further care and treatment. Great. Now, I have a question, Dr. Wen. Um, the vaccines are given to us in a shot, but I know that some kids and adults just hate shots. My husband is one of these people. He gets so scared when he has to get a shot that he has to lie down and look away. So what should kids or adults do if they are really scared about getting a vaccine shot? Mm, it's a very good question. I would say that for right now, the only way that the vaccine is going to be given to you is is with the shot, is with the the injection. Um, it uh, I know that um, there have been, for example, flu vaccines that sometimes could be given through the nose um, as a mist. Um, but to my knowledge, that is not being developed for coronavirus yet. And so I think that it might help if you think about um, something else while you're getting the vaccine. If you look away, start seeing a song that you really like, um, maybe you can, maybe somebody can read a book to you that, that, that you really like. Maybe you talk on the phone with a friend, something to keep your mind off of the shot. Now, I will say that as the mom of a baby, I've <laughs> taken my baby in to get a lot of shots because babies get a lot of vaccinations. And if um, and sometimes I also think about, well, if my little baby is able to get all these vaccines, then I should be able to do. <laughs> now, let's go to Zara. She's eight years old, also from Cooper Lane Elementary School. Zara, you are on the air. Thank you. What's your question? Oh, my question was, how is it like? to be a doctor what is it like to be a doctor i mean dr Wynn, what's your what's your day-to-day -day job like 
Well, um, right now <laughs> I do a combination of many different things. Um, I I see patients, and so I help my patients who have questions, who are not feeling well.、Um, I see a lot of patients also who、um, may have had family members who have had coronavirus, and I also help them、um, with thinking through how they can prevent giving it to others in their family. For for、uh, for for example, I also teach students, and that's something that I really enjoy. Joy because a lot of my my work is also helping medical students and helping public health students、um, in their in in their in in their education,、um, and um, I I'm also I a lot of my work too is correcting、um, information that may not be correct <laughs>、um, about about coronavirus,、um, and so I think that、um, for for me a lot of my work is around this idea of public health. That we may not have thought about public health a lot before, but now we're also seeing what happens when we don't really consider public health. I mean, some things like that we've talked about, like masking, physical distancing, they're not things that you really learn about in medical school. They are these other factors that what we can see in a time of of pandemics really make a big difference in helping people to stay safe. Right now, we have a question here from Cooper, who is twelve years old. From Silver Spring, Maryland, Cooper, you're on the air. What's your question? Hi. So I play soccer, and while we're warming up for the game, and while we're on the bench, we are required to wear a mask. But while playing the game and on the field, we are not. Is that safe? Do they need to change the rules, or I just like to know? Yeah, great question, Cooper. Doctor Wen, what would you say about that? Yeah, it's a it's a very good question, and as I'm thinking about how soccer is played, I mean, the good thing is I, I would imagine you're playing outdoors, so that's good because being outdoors versus indoors really reduces the likelihood of of transmitting coronavirus、um, uh, because there's so much fresh air that's circulating. The thing is, though, I I would think when you're playing soccer, you are going to be within. Close distance to some others, maybe not all the time, but people are passing you. You're you're fighting over the ball,、um, and so you are within six feet of other people. So、um, the guidance that we give is you should be wearing a mask even when you're outdoors when you cannot keep within six feet away from from others.、Um, and so I I would hope that that's the kind of of guidance that could be given,、um, including for our children and consistently、um, throughout, especially as we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Yes, we know a lot of kids around here have been starting to play sports again, and I bet they've been really missing them, but also really want to stay safe at the same time.、Uh, we have Kobe on the line right now, who has also very patiently been been waiting for us. Hold on one second. Let's make sure we have the right line up.、Um, let's see. Okay, Kobe, you are nine and a half years old from Washington D.C., and you are on the air. What's your question? How many variants of COVID are there? Uh, an excellent question, Kobe. So there are a lot of variants, and let me explain what this means. This is a virus, the virus that causes COVID nineteen, and there are mutations that are occurring all the time. A variant or a strain is when there are a certain pattern of mutations, and and then that develops into a new type of variant. It's still COVID nineteen. But、um, but it's just a different type of it, and so 
right now, the main variants that we're looking at are the variants that come from, that were first uh, detected in the UK, in South Africa, and Brazil. Um, those have certain characteristics that make them particularly concerning. For example, they might spread more, more easily. Um, but there are actually a lot of other variants that are also there, but they might have characteristics that are more similar to the variants that we've had all along. All right. Thank you, Kobe, for that question. Um, and then last but not least, we just have a couple seconds left. But what, what advice would you give Dr. Wen for kids who are really, really tired of being at home and want to be back to school? Well, I would say it's not for so much longer. I know it feels like we've been in this for so long, but we now have vaccines, at least for adults, that are very effective. Hopefully, they'll be available for children soon. Um, we need to hang in there for a little bit longer, continue to keep safe, make and, and know that you're keeping safe for yourselves and your loved ones, but also for your classmates and those around you too. So hopefully, you'll be back in school soon. Keep safe until then. That is all for the show today. Thanks to all the kids who called in and for Dr. Lena Wen for joining us. Today's first segment with Dr. Wen was produced by Julie Deppenbrock and Kojo for Kids was produced by Lauren Marco. Coming up tomorrow, Amazon just released the design for its future HQ2. We'll look at what the proposed modern glass helix would mean for Arlington's skyline. Then we'll talk about local politics and satire. I'm Michaela Lafrac, sitting in for Kojo Namdi. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to The Kojo Namdi Show. And if you're already a member of WAMU 88.5, thank you for your support. If not, it's easy to give online at wamu.org. Just click the Donate button, and thanks.